Welcome to the Bitcoin Basics podcast with your hosts, Faris and Gordon from CoinCompass.com, enabling you to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins. All resources are in the show notes and description, including our disclaimer. Visit BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com to subscribe and discover other free content. Did you know we provide a Bitcoin help desk? Visit CoinCompass.com forward slash help. For example, do you need help buying or selling Bitcoin on an exchange, withdrawing profits to your bank account, or transferring your Satoshis to a Bitcoin wallet? Perhaps you need assistance with setting up a desktop mobile or Bitcoin hardware wallet. How about upgrading your security hygiene by implementing InfoSec, cybersecurity, and OpSec, privacy, best practices to protect your investments and your identity online? These are only some of the things we have already helped both individuals and businesses with. We give advice, support, and a white glove service no matter the size of the investment or level of your technical ability. Visit coincompass.com forward slash help for all your Bitcoin related needs. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Basics Podcast. I'm your host, Ferris, and I'm here with Gordon. How are we, Gordon? Fantastic, Ferris. Ready to get stuck into this one. Good. So this is a special series that we're doing. This is called um, The Difference Between Buying and Owning Bitcoin. And we're in um, a bull market again at the moment where Bitcoin's getting a lot of media attention. And this is one of our concerns as educators and consultants is that there is still a misunderstanding between buying and owning Bitcoin. So what is the difference between buying and owning Bitcoin? So we produced an infographic, which I'll magically display on the screen here somewhere that had that answered this question in four steps. So the first step in owning Bitcoin is obviously to buy Bitcoin. And there are many ways that you can buy Bitcoin. The easiest one is to choose a reputable exchange. You can buy as little as $5, $10 worth of Bitcoin. Ignore all other coins. Don't be, you can buy uh, a small amount of Bitcoin. As I said, don't uh, be distracted by all these other 20 cent coins or 10 cent coins. Uh, buy Bitcoin. So, in order to own your Bitcoin, first step, buy Bitcoin. I don't know if I've oversimplified that, Faris, but do you have anything else? No, that's a good point. And when we say reputable exchange, um, we do actually recommend certain exchanges. This does change. So we don't want to say which ones they are on this podcast because we have recommended some in the past and then we've stopped recommending them. Um, so yeah, go to our website, bitcoinbasicspodcast.com, and you can see which exchanges we would be recommending. Good point. And uh, we have all resources there, including newsletters and podcasts and YouTube and all fun stuff. So head across there. So our first step is to buy Bitcoin. Our second step is to own Bitcoin. What are the steps for us in owning Bitcoin? So yeah, this is the um, key step. So I've heard so many people say, oh, I bought some Bitcoin and I'll ask them, where is it? And they say, well, what do you mean? And they'll go to a website and exchange, buy some Bitcoin. Now, what you're not realizing is that you've left your Bitcoins on that exchange. You need to remove them. So what does that mean? So by controlling your Bitcoin, think of it as a bank. You actually leave your money at the bank. How do you move your money from one bank account to another? Log in online to your bank and put in your password, and then you can control your money. Bitcoin works the same way. 
if you log into an exchange, you can then move your Bitcoins to a different wallet. It can be a mobile wallet, a hardware wallet, or a desktop wallet, or to another individual or another exchange. But if you're leaving your Bitcoins on the exchange, any someone on the exchange could basically access your wallet and steal your Bitcoins. That exchange can get hacked because it's just a website at the end of the day. So what you need to do is remove what's called your private keys. So by leaving your private keys on an exchange, that's like leaving your password with your bank. Someone in the bank can access your funds. The bank can get hacked, and they, if they have your password on file, they can access all your money. So what you need to do is remove your private keys, which is your Bitcoin password, essentially, and put it into an offline solution. Good, Faris, and that's great advice. But how likely is it that an exchange gets hacked or um, a website or an exchange and uh, funds get, Bitcoin gets stolen or whatnot? I mean, exchange has been around for a while. We've mentioned some of the large exchanges. How likely is it? It's not just likely, it's almost a certainty because several exchanges have been hacked. And Gordon, you've actually um, put up a list of all the exchanges that have been hacked and how many Bitcoins have been lost. And it's presumed that somewhere of up to 7 million Bitcoins have been lost. And that's not $7 million worth of Bitcoins, 7 million actual Bitcoins. So when you're saying that only 21 million Bitcoins will ever be created, one third of that supply has already been lost. And that's due to human error and hacks. And some of them are from me, but we won't go down that road. Um, Sending my Bitcoins into thin air. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. Okay, great. So we need to buy Bitcoin. We need to remove our Bitcoin or withdraw our Bitcoin from an exchange due to hacks, theft, insolvency. And again, I will link uh, our list of all the major Bitcoin hacks in the description of the show notes. Our third step after owning Bitcoin is to secure Bitcoin. So we've withdrawn our Bitcoin from the exchange. Where do we put it, Faris? How do we secure our Bitcoin? What do we do? So there's different ways of doing this. Um, Some people prefer a paper wallet because at the end of the day, your private keys is a series of letters and numbers. Some people can memorize them. Some people will transfer them to a paper wallet, which means they can't get hacked. You can't hack paper. Uh, obviously, the drawback with that is you can lose a piece of paper, it can burn, it can get wet. Uh, there are cold storage devices like Ledger and Trezor. Um, there's cold card, which basically is a card, like a Visa card, stainless steel with your private keys on it. There's all these kinds of solutions. It depends on the individual and it depends on your um, hor- long-term horizon for your investment for your Bitcoins. Excellent. Now, I'm just going to do a little bit of translation. Usually, Faris is the one doing it for me, but I'm doing it for him. He mentioned several words, private key management, private keys. They're like your password. So just like you have a bank account, you have your also your PIN or your internet banking password. Um, one is public. So your bank account number is public. That's okay. But obviously, your password, your internet banking password is private. So the same thing with Bitcoin. You have your Bitcoin address or we could call it a public address, and you have your private keys. And that is basically a long string of seemingly random numbers. And there are different ways to store that. You can actually put that or print it on a paper wallet. So having those string of numbers offline. You can buy a device, like Ferris mentioned, a cold card or 
other kinds of what we call hardware wallets and everything in between. So that's what Faris is talking about there is withdrawing your Bitcoins from the exchange. What you're really doing is removing your password, your private keys from the exchange, and you're keeping that password, whether it's a paper wallet, piece of paper, a hardware wallet, which is kind of like a sophisticated USB key or everything in between. So in terms of securing a Bitcoin, is that it, Faris? So it really depends. Like I said before, it depends on the individual. What is your use case for your Bitcoins? Are you going to be trading them on a daily basis or is it something you're going to pass on generationally? Um, you're going to keep on to them for 50 years, 100 years. Uh, and are you a business? Are you holding Bitcoins for someone else? So it depends. You would look at, you know, paper wallet, a cold card, a cold storage device, or even a multi-sig wallet. So it really depends. So first thing you want to do is sit down and come up with a custody plan. How long, how many Bitcoins do I want to own? How long do I intend on owning them for? And you even want to come up with uh, some estate planning. What happens to me if, you know, all of a sudden I'm in a coma or something happens to me, do my next of kin or those who ever is handling my estate know where to find my Bitcoins and what to do with them. So you need to do some planning before you decide which um, wallet or cold storage solution you're going to be using. Yeah, excellent point, Faris. And I'm just going to even go further with that. Um, you need to reduce single points of failure. So every single person needs to have a self-custody plan for your Bitcoin. Now, that could be a really simple plan. It could be complicated depending on how much money you're how much, sorry, how much Bitcoin you are holding. But uh, yeah, for example, a lot of people that I know, you know, they'll transfer, you know, $100,000 or more worth of Bitcoin onto a single hardware wallet or a paper wallet. That's no good. So Faris mentioned multi-signature. We won't go into that. We've done plenty of videos on wallets that I will link. But yeah, you need a plan that involves all those things from start to finish in terms of locations, people, processes, procedures, and uh, that probably involves some sort of multi-signature setup. Okay, so we've bought Bitcoin, we've withdrawn our Bitcoin, we've created, we've spent time, we've planned a self-custody solution for our Bitcoin. What's next? So this is actually where we're tackling your area of expertise, Gordon, and that is um, daily um, persistent hygiene. Um, so it's, you know, are you using a password manager? Are you using a VPN? Avoid opening emails with attachments you're unaware of because at the end of the day, Bitcoin is technological and we can go through all these stats, but if you bought your Bitcoin on a computer that has malware in it, then you can lose access to those Bitcoins. So this part, um, security hygiene, comes in before, during, after you buy Bitcoins. You need to stay on top of your security hygiene. Yeah, and it's not just for Bitcoin. It's really this day and age of people working from home and internet banking and everything. Um, you really need to improve and adapt your security hygiene. And as Faris mentioned, all those steps, I'm not going to go through them. I will link a five-video playlist that we have done on securing a computer connection using password manager, um, dedicated email address. And it's kind of like antivirus back in the day, perhaps not so much nowadays, you know, you're updating your antivirus to get the latest updates every day or whatever. 
but it was always a reaction. You're always sort of one step behind. It's like a cat and mouse game. So nowadays attacks are actually quite savvy. It's not just clicking links and email, although that exists as well. Um, there's all kinds of issues with downloading software that you think is legitimate to control your, for example, your hardware wallet. So yeah, you need to keep on top of it. You need to use industry best practices. You need to use industry best uh, tools. And a lot of it is actually non-technical. It's A lot of it is about your mindset and sort of knowing uh, what to do and what not to do. So again, all those resources are available at bitcoinbasicspodcast.com. All the uh, videos and playlists that I mentioned or that we mentioned are on there. But anything else while we're wrapping up, Faris, we've gone from step one, buying Bitcoin, which is what most people end with, to owning Bitcoin, securing Bitcoin and improving your security hygiene. Anything else that we should mention? Just if it seems daunting, don't worry. It's daunting for everyone that gets into Bitcoin the first time. You may already have Bitcoins and realize I haven't done this. It's not too late. Um, if you have any problems, please hit us up. Um, just visit the um, BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com. You can ask us any questions. We're here to help because at the end of the day, we don't want more people losing their Bitcoins. Yeah, great, Faris. So again, all resources are available at bitcoinbasispodcast.com, including a link to ask us a question. You can record a question that we will answer on our show. And uh, you can also put um, comments and replies in our YouTube videos as well. We're quite active there. So hopefully you have um, not just decided to buy Bitcoin and leave it on the exchange. You will uh, think about withdrawing your Bitcoin, coming up with a plan, and secure and upgrading your security hygiene at the same time. So stop, uh, stop just buying Bitcoin, start owning your Bitcoin. And uh, I think that's it, Ferris. Yeah, own your Bitcoin and manage your private keys. Perfect. For any significant investment, we design, implement, and support Bitcoin custody solutions for any individual, business, or wealth manager wanting to secure their long-term Bitcoin holdings. Visit coincompass.com help. Each unique strategy integrates best practices for private key management, multi-signature wallets, counterparty risk mitigation, estate planning for individuals, digital asset management for businesses, InfoSec cybersecurity, and OPSEC privacy. We give advice, support, and white glove service, no matter the type of investment or level of your technical ability. Visit quaintcompass.com help for all your Bitcoin-related needs. Thanks for watching or listening. Please visit quaintcompass.com free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time.